to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We'll begin reading at verse 28 through the end of the chapter. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 28. We read God's word as follows. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Our tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then also please turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And I'll read the first 14 verses. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, and all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. 
In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Do you please turn now to Psalm 89? Psalm 89, and must sing stanzas 1, 2, and 3. My text is Ephesians 1, verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our text is part of the introductory doxology of Paul's epistle to the Ephesian Christians. In the introduction of this epistle, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul wrote concerning blessing upon blessing that we receive from God because of his marvelous grace. Being chosen by God, that is, divine election, is one of these blessings that Paul mentions. The doctrine of divine election is a biblical doctrine which many people reject and which some Christians simply misunderstand. The theme for this sermon is wondrously chosen by God in Christ. First, what divine election is. Our text says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. What does divine election mean? What does it mean that we have been chosen by God? Dr. Louis Burkhoff, in his book, Systematic Theology, defined election as follows, and I quote, that eternal act of God, whereby he, in his sovereign good pleasure, and on account of no foreseen merit in them, chooses a certain number of people to be recipients of special grace and of eternal salvation. End of quote. A briefer and more understandable definition of divine election is, quote, God's eternal purpose to save some of the human race in and by Jesus Christ. End of quote. The Bible uses the word election in more than one sense. There's the election of Israel as a people for special service and privileges. There's the election of individuals to the performance of some special service or to some office. And there's the election of individuals to be born-again children of God and heirs of eternal glory. It is in the third sense of the use of this word that we are dealing with in this sermon. To be chosen by God for eternal glory, to receive eternal salvation in Christ, is a tremendous expression of God's amazing grace 
and love. Divine election is part of God's predestination, which we read about in Romans chapter 8. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Predestination is God's work. It is not man's work at all. According to Dr. Louis Burkhoff again, predestination, quote, denotes the counsel of God concerning fallen men, including the sovereign election of some and the righteous reprobation of the rest, end of quote. Predestination also includes the doctrine, then, of divine reprobation, which may be defined as that eternal decree of God by which he has determined to pass some men by with the operations of his special grace and to punish them for their sins to the revelation or display of his justice. So reprobation means that some people are not chosen by God to receive eternal salvation by grace through faith in Christ. However, such people are still held accountable by God for their refusal to believe in Christ and for their rejection of salvation in him. The subject of divine election contains aspects of mystery. One mystery is why did God allow sin to enter into his perfect universe in the first place? Why did God allow sin to come into existence? Some of the greatest Christian scholars and thinkers have struggled with this problem and have not been able to come up with a fully satisfactory answer. Another mystery is why did God choose only some individuals out of the future sinful human race rather than everyone to believe in the Lord Jesus for eternal salvation? Why in biblical history were there such ardent believers as Enoch, Abraham, and Elijah? And why were there ardent unbelievers such as Lamech, the seventh generation from Cain, King Jeroboam, and King Ahaz of Judah? Why in world history were there such antichrists as Joseph Stalin, and Adolf Hitler? And why were there such Christ-honoring missionaries as William Carey and J. Hudson Taylor? The only answer we reverently can give is that this was because of our sovereign God's eternal good pleasure. Some Christians claim that the doctrine of divine election is not biblical but they are very mistaken. For example, 1 Peter 1 verse 2 says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Also 2 Timothy 1 9 says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, 
but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And in Romans chapter 9, Paul elucidates the doctrine of divine election as well as reprobation. The biblical doctrine of divine election can provide us as Christians with much comfort. We realize that we battle against our sinful nature throughout our earthly sojourn as Christians. But because of God having chosen us from past eternity to be heirs of eternal salvation in Jesus Christ, this can provide us much comfort, even though we know we battle against our sinful nature and against the hostile to God world and against the devil and his forces. Knowing that nothing can separate us from God's love in Jesus Christ, nothing can take away our eternal salvation, is very comforting. Secondly, in love, God chose us in Christ. And I'm using the New King James version of the Bible in coming up with this second point. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, is how the New King James Version reads. Scripture teaches clearly that Adam sinned against God. Because of Adam's willful sin against God, all of the human race is sinful before God. Romans 5 verse 12 says, Therefore as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all men sinned. Because of Adam's sin, the entire human race is separated from and hostile our enemies against God. The entire human race, every single one of us, deserves the just wrath of God, deserves eternal punishment in hell. But the wonder of wonders is that God chose some of the fallen, wicked human race to eternal salvation in Jesus Christ. From eternity, our covenant-keeping God chose certain individuals from the billions of people whom he would create. In his book, Chosen by God, Dr. R. C. Sproul Sr. wrote, From all eternity, God foreknew his elect. He had an idea of their identities in his mind before he ever created them. He not only foreknew them in the sense of having a prior idea of their personal identities, but he also foreknew them in the sense of forloving them. End of quote. Boys and girls, if you have the responsibility of choosing students in your grade at school to be on your team for a softball game, you try to choose those students who can hit the ball well, who can throw well, catch well, and who are good runners don't you? In this life, we as people tend to choose or select people for various tasks and responsibilities on the basis of, the, basis of their abilities and of the, on the basis of their likelihood to be able to perform these tasks or responsibilities. With divine election, this is different. 
Our triune, all-knowing God did not choose people to repent of their sins and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for eternal salvation because he foresaw their intelligence, their uprightness, their high-quality character traits, their numerous talents and abilities, their beauty, their future life of good works, their loving personalities, their diligence in living in obedience to him, or because he foresaw that they would be wholehearted and vigorously active in the life of a local church. Armenians, on the other hand, teach that God chose people out of the sinful human race because he foresaw that they had merit, that they would deserve to be chosen and saved in Christ. However, the Bible clearly teaches that God from eternity did not choose anyone for salvation in Christ on the basis of any foreseen merit. This is our Reformed biblical position. Do you understand that if we have been chosen by God to be saved by grace through faith in Christ, it is not because we deserved to have eternal life. During the Vietnam War, the United States exercised the compulsory military draft. Healthy, able-bodied young men were assigned a draft number in connection with their month and day of their birthday, and if their number came up, they thereby were forced to join the U.S. Army and to be trained in preparation for service over in Vietnam in the dangerous and deadly Vietnam War. A young man was eligible for the military draft until his 27th birthday. One of my younger brothers had a low draft number, which means that he was more likely to be drafted into the Army than a man with a high draft number. About 56,800 U.S. troops died in the Vietnam War, including about 46,400 in combat. About 303,700 American soldiers were wounded. My brother did not deserve not to be drafted because he was no better than any other young man. But God providentially spared him from being drafted, and he indeed was thankful for that. Divine election is a matter of far greater importance than whether or not a man was drafted into the U.S. Army during the Vietnam War. But likewise, none of us deserves to be saved from our sins any more than my brother deserved not to be drafted. None of us deserves to be saved in Jesus Christ any more than any hard-hearted, rebellious, defiant, unrepentant, unsaved person any more than any atheist or any other false adherent of any false religion. Among the 7.5 billion people alive on the earth today, do we realize this? And do we understand this? Our response should be that of humility, thankfulness, and wonder and amazement 
that God would choose us to have eternal life in Christ. Oh God, who am I that you should save me, an undeserving, wretched sinner, that you should give me eternal life in Jesus Christ so that I may be in your presence in future glory forever and ever. What amazing, abundant grace and mercy you have poured out upon me. I am totally unworthy of having been chosen by you. Praise to be, be to your holy and awesome name. Our election is in Christ. As our text says, just as he chose us in him. The words in him refer to Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God. The only way in which people whom God has chosen will be saved and receive eternal salvation and be in future glory is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. No animal creature, no angelic being, no human being, nothing and no one else is the means by which we experience and are given the blessing of eternal life. Boys and girls and young people, it is in Jesus and in Jesus alone. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It was Jesus who would perfectly obey the Father. It was Jesus who would be sentenced by Pontius Pilate to be crucified. Jesus bore himself upon himself the wrath of God which was against our sins. Jesus suffered the curse which was upon us. Jesus made satisfaction to the justice of God for our sins in our place. He suffered and died for our sins as our substitute. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It was Jesus once for all offering of himself in punishment for our sins. He was God's instrument in reconciling us lost but elected sinners to our holy, righteous, just, loving and covenant-keeping God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Therefore, it is of great urgency and importance that the gospel of salvation go out to the ends of the world so that all of God's elect may be drawn into his church and kingdom. Do we ever question or wonder within ourselves whether we are included among God's elect? I know I've, I have questioned that about myself. The answer to that question is, how have we responded to Jesus Christ? How have we responded to Jesus Christ? If we truly repent of our sins and believe in Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we thereby are declared righteous by God. We are justified by grace through faith in Jesus. We have peace with God. God forgives our sins. We have eternal life. And we will show this 
by how we live. We will have a love for our triune God, for our fellow human beings, and for God's word, the Bible. We will have an inner longing to know Jesus better, and we will desire to be increasingly sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We'll have a deep longing and fervent prayer for our fellow men that they may be saved in Christ. And we will pray for, hope, and long for the day of Christ's second coming. We will want to live our lives for the glory of our great God and for the furtherance of his kingdom. We will have hearts filled with joy in the Lord, with humility, and with heartfelt gratitude to our amazing God. We will want to worship our glorious God with all of our being as often as we physically and mentally are able to do so. Through the empowering Holy Spirit, we also will fight against sin in our lives, and we are willing to suffer for the sake of Christ, even endure persecution. We will want to obey Christ as Lord in every aspect of our lives during our earthly sojourn. Prayer to our Heavenly Father will become a major priority in our daily life. A major priority. And as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we will be able to testify with the Apostle Paul, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Indeed, when we believe in Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit gives us assurance of eternal life. We as Christians also thereby have assurance that we are one of God's elect. Thirdly, the purpose for which God chose us. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. God has chosen us so that we might be holy before him. Our covenant God is holy, as we know. He's absolutely sinless. He's also removed from all sin. When we believe in Jesus Christ, we are holy. The Bible refers to us as saints, which means holy ones. The Bible says that we are blessed with the indwelling of God, the Holy Spirit. Now, the word holy means spiritually perfect. It also means set apart by God, dedicated in service to God. Even though we as Christians are holy, we realize that we will never be completely holy, we'll never be perfectly holy, we'll never be sinless in this life. But, we are to grow in righteous character, which is more and more pleasing to the Lord. The Holy Spirit makes our beings his temple, his dwelling place. He lives within us. The Holy Spirit begins that lifelong process of sanctification once we are justified by grace through faith in Christ. By means of the Bible and by means of trials, by means of suffering. The Holy Spirit shapes us and molds us more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. He works away at molding our, char our characters so that more and more it becomes 
godlike, becomes godly. As we read in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we Christians enter our 50s and 60s, we become more and more painfully aware of the reality that there is still much in our lives that is unholy. Even though the Holy Spirit progressively sanctifies us, the Bible also teaches that it is our responsibility to be active in sanctification as well. We're not just passive spectators. We're not just passive recipients. The Bible teaches our full responsibility for our actions. Scripture says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. We have the God-given responsibility as Christians to obey our God of all grace, of making obedient application of God's word in our personal lives. Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. We need the enablement by the Holy Spirit, and we need to rely upon God for the needed grace to grow in obedience to our triune God. By God's grace, do we war against sin in our own lives? Or do we basically tolerate sin in our own lives? Do we take upon ourselves the whole armor of God which God has provided for us? as we war against the devil and his fellow wicked angels. God is not finished with us yet. In one church, there was a youth group who were called Christians Under Construction. That church wanted their youth group to know that they were by far not mature Christians as yet, and that God was not finished working in their lives. We are Christians under divine construction, being prepared for a bright, glorious, joyous, marvelous, pleasant, amazing, peaceful, perfect, worshipful future as members of the New Jerusalem. God chose us to be without blame before him in love, The Greek word translated as without blame meant unblemished as regards the absence of defects in sacrificial animals. The word also means blameless in a moral and religious sense. We sense that we are not blameless in this life, and sometimes we feel quite frustrated about that. But by far the the best is yet to come for all of Christ's church. God chose us in Christ to be without any particle of sin, without any slight moral blemish. We who were chosen by God from past eternity be in God's glorious presence, perfect and complete, soul and body, and will be completely holy. What an honor that will be for us. We will be before him in love. We shall be recipients of his covenantal love forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever without end. 
Moreover, we shall genuinely love God with a real love forever. Our love for God will never be tainted with sin. We will have the blessing and honor of being with our covenantal triune God, not just for a few minutes or hours, but throughout all unending future eternity. We shall worship and serve our God for all eternity, and we will never once grow bored or weary with worshiping and praising our covenant God. God's covenant love for us will never once diminish, and our love for our triune God also will never once diminish or grow dim. We shall be so richly blessed as members of the church triumphant for all eternity that our finite minds cannot fully grasp, cannot fully comprehend such rich blessedness. Ultimately, we have been chosen by God to eternal salvation so that God will receive the glory, so that God will be glorified. We have been predestined to adoption as sons and daughters to the praise of the glory of his grace. As the Bible says, for of him and through him and to him are all things, to him be glory forever and ever. The Bible says regarding our future status as Christians in glory, they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no light nor lamp of the sun for the Lord God gives them light and they shall reign forever and ever. Therefore, we want to thank God for the wonder and grace-filled blessing of having been chosen by him in Christ. And along with Jude, we want to praise God and say, not to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.